Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Liberty and the Law, the podcast series that examines the critical elements of a strong legal defense in criminal cases. Join respected attorney James Dore for this lively discussion on the rights of criminal defendants and the important role defense attorneys play in our legal system. Well, this should be interesting. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell. And, well, of course, I hope that every episode of Liberty and the Law is of some interest to you in some way. Um, and I just say that a little cautiously today because I think we're going to lead ourselves into uh, uh, maybe a feisty little discussion um, with the key contributor to this series, uh, Lavelle Law Attorney James Dore. We've got in front of us a, uh, a new law recently passed in Illinois regarding smoking in vehicles. Um, and after several years of discussing defendants' rights uh, on this series in a number of different ways, I think uh, we're both going to have some opinions and input on this one. So, uh, James, how are you feeling? You ready to go? No, I'm doing well, Jim. I'm ready, ready to hit the ground running on this one. Uh, you know, it's funny. When when you share with me some of the laws or judicial opinions that uh, I get to read as part of uh, preparation for our conversations, um, some of it can be very complex, and I've, I think I've admitted that in the past. But... You know, not so much here. Uh, the text in this new law is very short, very brief. Um, what exactly has the state of Illinois enacted in this one? Well, well, first off, Jim, let's not underestimate your skills because I know doing these podcasts with all the Lavelle Law attorneys, you've become quite uh, knowledgeable <laughs> in many areas of law. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. So uh, I appreciate know, it. I'd Thank be, you. I'd be, uh, I'd like to see what you'd score on a bar exam. I really would. It'd be fun to see. But uh, <laughs> well, let's get to the law at hand, okay? Um, yeah, yeah. The, the, the legislature and, and uh, the governor, they, they signed a bill uh, making it uh, a petty offense to smoke in a vehicle when there's any uh, minor, uh, somebody under 18 present in the vehicle, all right? So um, it could be whether or not the windows are open on the vehicle, whether or not the vehicle is actually in motion, doesn't matter. It's uh, it's deemed to be a petty offense if if you're caught doing that. Um, it's punishable by a fine only. So that's one of the things mm-hmm. they didn't make it necessarily a a crime or a moving violation. They just make it a, a petty offense, like I said. So first uh, first offense uh, is um, not to exceed a hundred, and second or subsequent offense not to exceed two hundred fifty dollars. So um, the judge could certainly fine less, um, but that would be what what. Uh, you know, a fine would issue uh, pursuant to a, mm-hmm. uh, a police officer noticing somebody smoking in a vehicle. And without um, without trying to get into the uh, inner workings of, of the state legislature, and I, I don't mean this you know sarcastically, but as you said, it's, it's a petty offense, $100 fine for the first offense. Um, so is this something, I mean, the state doesn't really seem to be putting much teeth behind it. Is this more of a uh, sort of a, a statement? law in terms of trying to show some support for anti-smoking or is there you know is this something you see as um you know happening frequently in in, in the world that you live in well we could always pull legislative history but i know that the, a couple of themes that carry through this is you know the, the uh concern about secondhand smoke and the concern concern about distracted driving that would be the some of the public policy statements behind it okay but you're 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 absolutely correct it doesn't seem to but you much in the way of teeth in this when you're talking the first to find is a hundred dollars and in addition you know the police officers may not stop and detain a vehicle just because of this violation they need a separate reason to stop the vehicle and this would be kind of an add-on so um it, it, it would seem that way 
But mm-hmm. I know that legislation tends to um, adapt over time. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was quickly uh, added to and in the provision strengthened. Okay. Um, yeah. And then you see. Go ahead. Okay. Well, and it's, you, you've, you've alluded to that in the past, and it, you know, when a law is this limited and seems, you know, as simple as it is, you know, and, and literally the, this is on one sheet of paper. Um, I know you get concerned that it, it opens the door to more stringent laws later. Is, is that something you envision here, or potentially could happen? And maybe if you got an example of, of how that's happened in the past with other laws. Well, exactly. A good example would be our seatbelt laws when they first were initially passed. Same kind of structure. It was not a, a, an independent basis for an officer to stop a vehicle, so it could not be used as a probable cause to stop a, a, a car or, or a reasonable you know, suspicion to stop a vehicle, okay? But that law was quickly amended to make it because, and you can understand the logic behind it. It's it, it coming from the angle of, well, you have a police officer here. He's sworn police officer. If he observes a, a commission of a crime, an illegal act, you know, how is he not supposed to stop that vehicle? So you could see the, the argument for making the stop and expanding the law, okay? So, mm-hmm. like I said, with seatbelt laws, it, it, it began much like this, um, and it, it quickly evolved to where now that's the basis to stop the vehicle in and of itself. And I wouldn't be surprised to see you know, certain elements of this statute expanded over time. Now, you know, what I find interesting in this um and it it does sort of touch on some of the things that I've talked to you and your colleagues about in the past about a new law. You know, once it's written, then you know the the uh, defense or, or the judicial system has to sort of determine how it gets applied and and all the gray area around it because it it says that you know the this the person can't be smoking if there's a minor in the car. Now, if, even if they the officer makes a stop under the right conditions, and then they see this. How do they know that the person is a minor? I mean, do they have the authority to ask for an ID to verify that to then institute the fine? Uh, yeah, and that would come down. There's some case law that, that uh, uh, allows the officers on a legitimate traffic stop to seek IDs of those passengers as well. So, mm-hmm. again, it comes down to the how and why it, 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 it happens, but I can see... Um, you know, investigations are quickly expanding um, when this starts. And, again, you know, there, there's um, numerous uh, details in the statute that could be litigated and will be litigated once it gets into the court system. So, you know, we, we when we were talking before, Jim, we noticed that, you know, the definition of what, what smoke would be would be something that could be litigated or that issue you just said, you know, somebody under 18. How do we know? So mm-hmm. the, the, the officer's actions um, in, in support of, a, of a, an arrest or something, a, a fine issue that would be in this case, um, can certainly be scrutinized uh, in litigation. And it often happens. And that, like you said, Jim, that, that leads to some of the cases that we discussed on this very show. Yeah, and, and you're, you've always been a strong proponent uh, of protecting constitutional rights against unlawful search and seizure. Um, as you, you look you know, into the crystal ball on this one, do you start to see some, some conflict there? Well, yeah, and especially if it's expanded, you know, it, um, it, will it be a basis to stop alone if somebody's observed smoking? I mean, will a cloud of smoke coming out of a vehicle, that's a basis to stop a vehicle if you happen to see somebody that maybe appears to be under 18 years of age? Um, and it's a very subjective opinion. 
yeah. who appears to be under 18 years of age. So you can't really verify that until the vehicle stops and you do question passengers. So, again, that's, yeah. that's it's one of those issues that, that will need to be resolved with, with uh, you know, when these actually become the practice. Probably going to be a fun one for us to look back on in a year or so and see where things are at. And, and we'll continue to have conversations with Attorney James Dorr Lavelle. Uh, we visit each month here on the podcast to discuss matters related to criminal defense, uh, including detailed discussions, as I mentioned, about constitutional law. You can hear our entire collection of past podcasts at lavellelaw.com or blogtalkradio.com. And, of course, iTunes you can download from there as well. Um, plenty of information about James and his practice at lavellelaw.com. And, and in, in that history of our conversations, James, maybe it was a year or so ago, we had a conversation about roadside safety checks in which uh, municipalities set up checkpoints at major intersections on certain days or nights and then randomly stop vehicles to check for things like safety belt usage and, and often find other things in the process. So this now becomes one more thing that perhaps they can check for at these uh, safety checks. Exactly. That's really, when we talked uh, earlier about the, the seatbelt um, scrutiny, that same thing. It would have been roadblocks that, that they're considered roadside safety checks where um, the officers can stop, and there, there's constitutional law on how frequently cars can be stopped. But let's say, you know, they stop every car, every other car, whatever the case may be. And if you hit the profile where you deserve further scrutiny, you will be pulled over off to the side while the officer say in a case like this, you observe smoking in the vehicle. Well, that would be a, a, a follow-up investigation. So your car would be detained. You would be detained while you would answer questions about the smoking and any other issue, you know, seatbelt or are they going to start, you know, did you have anything to drink that night? If you have an odor of alcohol, that, that will start as well. So, again, once these investigations start, now, the police can, they're free to follow up on anything that they discover that's, that's a, you know, something that they should be investigating. So order of alcohol, smoke in this case, lack of seatbelts, any one of those things would be right, right into that, that roadside safety check. And, um, yeah, it, it, it fits right into what we discussed before. Um, and, and as you mentioned, when, when new laws hit the books, uh, there's a lot of challenges and questions. Um have you have you had instances in the past where perhaps uh, the prosecutor or even the judge wasn't properly aware of a new law and, and how to enact it? And is that something you've had to face? Well, I did. Have, I have that the, the, the seatbelt law. I had that exact issue where um, the uh, a state trooper observed my client at a toll booth when he stopped to pay his toll wasn't wearing a seatbelt, and that was his sole basis for him detaining the vehicle. And it, you know, led to a subsequent arrest for a DUI. And I had argued that there was no probable cause to stop the vehicle, and I had lost that case initially. But I did a motion to reconsider, filed it with the judge, and the judge did a little bit of research on his own, and he, he said to me in, in open court that he wasn't surprised I filed a motion to reconsider because, just like we discussed, it wasn't an independent basis to stop the vehicle at that time. So it ended up with a good result for my client on that case. The charges were eventually dismissed based on that. And then not too long after that, that seatbelt law was changed to where that would be a legitimate basis to stop that vehicle. So this is one, one good example, Jim, of how these laws evolve over time. 
Well, and and one thing, I, and uh, if you look at the way it's written, and, and maybe I missed it, but I'm sure you've gone through it in, in pretty good detail, that it lists smoking and defined it in a number of different ways, and, and you've mentioned just observationally, you know, does a puff of smoke coming out the window mean anything? But when you look at today's headlines, it, if I remember, the one thing that's not mentioned in here is, is vaping. Um, so yeah. that, uh, again, something that's like, well, that's probably going to work its way into this eventually as well. I mean, could it could it loosely be jammed into this uh, definition of smoke, or should it be listed something separately? Because um, it should be included if your goals are to uh, alleviate secondhand smoke, or in this case, vapor, and 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 also distracted driving. You know, it's it's just as distracting as a lit cigarette or anything else, conceivably. Mm-hmm. So, uh, why is it not specifically listed? That's a good question. Um, will will there be violations uh, based on vaping, and what will become of those? It's a good question. That that'll be that'll be litigated, and that's that's right right there. And and I think you mentioned it earlier, but but uh, remind me here. As in fact, when we talked about distracted driving and cell phone laws this year, um, you know, any any car that is in motion or in a road, even at a stoplight, you know, you can't touch your phone, can't touch uh, you know any of the devices, uh, personal devices anymore. Um, unless you're, I believe, parked. What about this law? Is it, is it, do you have to be parked, or even if you're parked and have a minor in the car, it would be a violation? No, it says the vehicle doesn't have to be in motion. So, mm-hmm. so uh, whether it is in motion or at rest, so that could be parked vehicle. I mean, yeah. It's, uh, I, I, and, I, and I love that you brought up that the, the distracted driving in the cell phone cases, because that's one of those things, too. You know, it, um, it, when does it cross that line that harassment of citizens, you know? Well, uh, the good thing is we've got uh, you to keep us honest and have great conversations about this, um, and we're going to continue doing that each month here on Liberty and the Law. So I'll thank James Dwarf from Lavelle Law for being with us. And, again, uh, if you'd like to talk to him more about uh, cases like this and you heard some of the uh, great things he was able to accomplish for his clients during our conversation today, give him a call at 847-705-7555 or reach out via LavelleLaw.com. So thanks, James, for being here today. Thanks to you for listening, and certainly look forward to more uh, uh, enlightening conversations in future episodes. Thanks for being here.